Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. your mouth and listen. I'm going to give you a couple extra days, but it's going to cost you another two G's as a reminder not to fuck it up. I make myself clear? And don't give me to like you. I'm not the one with the short bag. Hello and welcome to this week's very own DWZ. That is right, the Dynasty Warzone's very own rookie rundown. As always, I am your host, Dallas. You can find me on Twitter at Salad Galore. That is Dallas backwards with the double L Galore. And this week is a continuation of everyone's favorite summertime series in first year forecasting for rookies. And I am joined by not one, but two guests on this week's episode. And we are going to be chatting about the AFC South. So anyone who is a uh, longtime listener of the DWZ network or the Dynasty Warzone show specifically knows my guests couldn't have anyone else other than Mr. Memphis himself on with the show. And then we also have a Patreon as well joining us here in this illustrious space as we talk Colts, as we talk Tennessee, as we talk the Jags, and as we talk Houston, it is Mr. David Donaldson in Memphis. How are you guys doing? David, tell everyone how you're doing. I'm, I'm fantastic. I'm actually getting to talk fantasy football, so come on. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> how about you, Memphis? How are you doing? Man, I'm uh, I'm doing great, and I'm excited. You've been doing the rookie rundown for us for quite a while now, and it's good to have uh, good to get the invite. Good to get the invite to come uh, talk football with you. Um, actually, for those that have listened to me on the Dynasty Warzone, you guys have no idea how good you got it. This is my guy. Dallas is my guy. When I have questions about these guys in college or they're coming into the, the NFL, this is the guy that I start with. Dallas, give me a breakdown on Brees Hall. Dallas, give me a breakdown on Alec Pierce. Give me a breakdown. Let's start there, and then I'll go get some other stuff. But, man, I'm excited to be on your show uh, talking rookies in the AFC South. Yeah, it's great. Uh, bring me flashbacks. Uh, for those of you that have been here since the genesis of the rundown, you know, me and Memphis were uh, a little tandem as we started off, and I spread my wings and then flapped on for the last, you know, 18 months here with the show. So it's been a good little run. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited. It's, you know, the thick of everyone's favorite time of year in the fantasy space. It's the Scott Fishbowl right now. So it's nice to just kind of hop out of that mind space a little bit and get back into some rookie content. My episode last week covered some Scott Fishbowl-related scoring rookies that I was interested in that I'll probably be targeting here in a couple of rounds, hopefully if my draft continues on pace as it is. But yeah, so uh, for those of you that have been paying attention, the first year forecasting, pretty simple. We're going to cover all four teams, go over the offensive schemes, and of course, talk about realistic outlooks for all the rookies and a couple of UDFAs of note if anyone has some fun nuggets. But these guys are avid fans of some teams here in the division, so we are here to chat about in sequential order based off of record from last year, the Tennessee Titans to start us off. So we are looking at the second year underneath Todd Downing as the OC for the Tennessee Titans, right? Last year, guess what? 31st in passing percentage in the league. Not a great look from a team. They missed their weapons. And what's even worse with the weapons that they did have last year in such a poor passing performance is that they now have 351 vacated targets with the loss of pretty much every receiving option on the team, 
being shipped out via trade and or free agency. You have honestly the first year that we've seen Ryan Tannehill look human over the last probably three since he took the reins in Hennessy. And you're looking at a new skill position group, as I said, with a whole bunch of rookies to be looking at. Specifically, when you're looking at the draft selections, they have a new backup quarterback that everyone was hoping would go to a team of relevancy that he could immediately walk into the role in Malik Willis. You have a new backup running back on the team behind Derrick Henry in a similar format and a similar running style in Hassan Haskins. You have my personal wide receiver one in the class, both pre and post draft in Traylon Burks. You have a day one realistically starting slot receiver in Kyle Phillips. And you have realistically an extremely athletic tight end that could see quite a few snaps in year one behind a tried and true guy that they brought in in Austin Hooper, excuse me, uh, at the tight end position. Uh, you know, give you those notes of a Johnu Smith coming into the league here for Tennessee. Maybe they're going to be able to repeat it. But looking at Tennessee, looking at the output of what you understand this team to be, Arthur Smith went away last year. Where are you at with Tennessee just offensively overall? And what's your prediction for how this offense is going to move with all of these moving pieces that have shipped out and come in on the team, Memphis? Oh, um, I was trying to be a gentleman and, and defer to Dave. Um, for, for me, this offense makes me very nervous. I was not – if you listen to the show, my show, the Dynasty War Zone, on the same feed, uh, you knew this time last year I was very trepidatious on Mr. Todd Downing. He was not a good offensive coordinator when he was with the Raiders. I don't think he's a good coordinator now. You know, it was basically, hey, dude, you're inheriting a Lamborghini – just don't put it in the ditch. And he went out there and he put it in the ditch. Now, in fairness, they did lose Derrick Henry for a very large portion of the season. For me, um, the only person on this offense that I want at acquisition right now is Austin Hooper. If you follow at DWZ Memphis or if you're a patron like Dave, you know that I've been all about cheap Austin Hooper. He's only like 28 years old, um, which is which is a pup by tight end. I know we're going to talk about the rookie tight end here in a second, but um, Ryan Tannehill last year threw 21 touchdowns. Eight of those went to the tight end. And you already talked about how uh, Ferkser and Swain are gone. They've got new homes. Uh, I, you know, we're in the middle of Scott Fishbowl. Austin Hooper is my, and it's very tight end heavy scoring. Austin Hooper is my bottom of the barrel dude. You know, if I, if you don't get the Wallers, the Andrews, the Kittles of the world, then Hooper is the guy that I feel like will be my second tight end that I walk out with. So outside of that, um, from a dynasty perspective, I, I don't really have a lot of love. I know uh, Haskins has been getting a ton of love from a rookie standpoint. Um, I'll be curious to hear what you and Dave have to say about Traylon Burks. So I'm going to throw it to Dave in just a second. I'm not a Burks guy. I don't believe you. I mean, I guess you could de develop asthma at 21, 22 years old. It kind of just feels like you're out of shape, dude. Could be. Could, could be, but th things are weird. I know he played college ball in Arkansas. I have family ties to Tennessee and that, that area. The, the, the environment and the climate in those areas aren't that different. So to develop spring and summer asthma feels weird. Dave, where are you at on this offense? Um, I think this offense is going to be really, really interesting, but not at all in terms of dynasty. Um, when you look at it, it, you have you have Woods, who is probably one of the best blocking wide receivers in the NFL. 
and they brought him in essentially to help train uh, Traylon Burks, who is a big wide receiver who I don't, it may be asthma, maybe out of shape. Um, There were a lot of those rumors earlier on. Um, You know, his comp was to AJ Brown. He's a bigger wide receiver, but I have a feeling they're going to be going more in that two, uh, two tight end set to wide receiver set, and then just trying to run. But let's be fair. I mean, Derrick Henry has a screw still at his foot. Um, Hassan Haskins is my buy. If there's anyone on this offense I actually want to pick up cheap, it's Hassan Haskins because I just can't trust Derrick Henry. And with the, his age, the amount of work he's got, his size, the beating he takes, I mean, he's averaging, what, 27 carries per game? So at a certain point, it doesn't matter how big you are, your body is going to break down. So I've actually traded off all my Derrick Henry shares pretty much at this point just because of that. And I was going to say injuries don't get better with age. Trust me, as an older athlete myself who stays busy, you know, doing, you know, athletic stuff myself, coaching kids, you you don't get better. You you, you pull a muscle. They don't heal as fast anymore, you know. you know, and he's a big man, and you mentioned the screw in his foot. What's he weigh? Like 245, 250-ish? Mm-hmm. And and I don't care how much you work out. He does all these crazy workouts. You know, no one has strong feet. You know, you kind of have the set you get. <laughs> and so that, that that's a tremendous point on your part. Yeah. And Haskins, uh, for anyone following along long-term, Haskins was my pre-draft running back nine in the class. So he was a – Jack of all trades, master of none type of running back. But the one issue I had with him is that I felt like he ran out of control. Um, He was one of the most explosive runners through the hole, but he wasn't great at wiggling in between. If there was a team that I would have wanted him to go to, it was Tennessee because they don't ask Derrick Henry to wiggle around in the backfield. Their offensive line is not based around wiggling around behind the line of scrimmage and opening up holes. It's see hole, hit hole, Hope you get 10 yards before you get hit because of our blocking. And if you do, you're probably gone and off to the races. Um, I enjoy him quite a bit. Realistically, I could see a production similar to what we've seen from an A.J. Dillon behind an Aaron Jones. Probably not with the same amount of receiving work because Haskins never really proved to be a receiving back in college. But realistically, from a workload perspective, you could see that 40% share as they try to kind of work their way through Derrick Henry's contract, which still has him on the books this year and pretty much next year as well. Um, Traylon Burks for me, just from a first year production standpoint, um, you've probably seen it multiple times in the group chat Memphis with uh, our individual YouTube group chat, but me and Tyler O are pretty staunch supporters of Traylon Burks, at least for year one. Do I think they're going to bring in more receivers next year at the earliest absolutely um but there's absolutely nothing from a game script standpoint from an offensive vacated target standpoint that tells me that he can't reproduce what devonta smith did last year from the wide receiver position with a more accurate and better deep ball thrower in ryan Tannehill compared to jalen hurts so when i'm looking at just pure situation and talent of what he did in college Traylon burks is my wide receiver for year one out of the rookie class and you don't have to pay wide receiver one rookie prices to acquire him most of the time because there's a lot of hype around a lot of other guys for year one i know you're an olave guy year one and i'm helping you by driving down his price 
exactly. I'm out here. I'm out here putting the bad mouth on him, but I I don't want to take over your show. But I want to ask you a question. Yeah, go ahead. Tell tell me about this undrafted free agent named Reggie Roberson from SMU. As you wrote in the show sheet, the wide receiver that goes zoom zoom. Because what I'm seeing on a, a two wide receiver set with guys like Robert Woods, who I've already said that I have concerns with, because Robert Woods tore his ACL week ten. Talked about mm. older guys bouncing back from injury. He's 30 years old. How soon is he going to be ready for camp? Tell me about Mr. Zoom Zoom, as you call him. I'm, I'm all ears because it's not a name that I'm super familiar with, and that's why I go to you. Yeah, so when you look at SMU's offense, they are predicated on deep threat basically all over the field. They have, at all times, three wide receivers that run a 4-4 basically as their floor for how fast they're running you had danny gray who started getting a lot of steam prior to the nfl draft i brought him to the attention of the patreons pretty early on in the offseason program the guy that did not get talked about was his guy on the opposite side of the field and reggie roberson and that's because he dealt with injuries and due to the fact that if people are talking about how old valus jones jr is for the bears Reggie Roberson was in college for six years, not just the five that Bayless Jones was there. Six years. He was actually a transfer from West Virginia after his rookie season or freshman season there. And then he's been at SMU since. But he is a true burner. Um, it was very hard when you look throughout their tape to decide who was actually faster between Roberson and Danny Gray. So the fact that they got him as a UDFA, which isn't surprising coming off the injury. He's very fast, and the team does not have a deep threat on the team right now. They have a bunch of slot wide receivers, a couple of big blocking wide receivers, and then Robert Woods, who used to be able to do that deep threat option, but now coming off the injury, no one really knows. So realistically, in specific packages, Roberson, if he makes the team, is going to be that guy for them. And the thing that's the most appealing for him actually sticking on the Tennessee Titans roster is the fact that he averaged almost 34 yards per return in college as a kick returner, which is pretty wild numbers um he is very fast very fluid when he has a full head of steam which is kind of what tennessee you know dictates all of its offensive scoring uh plays off of is that straight line speed so it'll just be interesting to see if he lands um him and a guy like charleston rambos uh in carolina who i talked about two weeks ago they are probably going to fill a very similar role and i see them making the team as you know dark horse candidates on special teams and as deep threats so it's just a name to keep in you know, mind for those uh, best ball formats more than anything. And if I if I could comment, because I actually mm -hmm. live in Dallas, there you go. Um, right right where SMU is, um, Re Reggie Roberson was actually much more respected, much more well known mm -hmm. until he got hurt, and then that's when we started seeing Danny Green come back. Yep. Um, it wasn't until he got himself hurt that he was already being talked about as potentially a fourth round pick based on where what his production was with Tanner Mordecai and that whole offense. Um, and it was only the injuries that really went over and dropped him. So that's my little Debbie spiel because I kept track of them keeping – well, I had Tanner Mordecai on my C2, C2C league, so mm -hmm. uh, I kept track of all of them. <laughs> so, But, yeah, I just wanted to comment on that because he, he could definitely move. He could definitely – he's much better than what – the UDFA draft picks is going to be at. So, yeah, agreed completely. Um, and the guy we didn't really talk about a lot that I'm interested in just because of combine numbers and from the explosiveness you, uh, you actually see on tape was 
Um, I'm going to just call him Christian Milquanquo, even though that's not how you pronounce his first name. It's Chickazy, something like that. But um, out of Maryland, he, I mean, in all reality, he's pretty much a Johnny Smith clone from a physical standpoint. And they missed that piece dearly last year, the tight end position. Yes, Berkser filled in for that red zone role, but for a guy that can truly break the field over the middle, they didn't really have that. Um, especially with all the injuries to the wide receivers last year. So I'm interested in that, but that's a long-term dynasty play more than a first-year production for me. You guys have any other notes for Tennessee, or were you good to move on to uh, bread-and-butter Indianapolis on the division? Okay, we're going Indy. Yeah, let's, let, let's well, do that. This is going to be fun. Uh, there, this division was very top-heavy and very bottom-heavy. Um, Indianapolis was at 9-8. and eight. Coming off of the Carson Wentz experience, um, bringing in Marcus Brady last year as OC. Once again, we have another team that was not very high in pass percentage. They were 28th in pass percentage. And once again, this was more than likely due to the fact that they have everyone's 101 in a dynasty space. Jonathan Taylor in the backfield, um, as well as a very, very competent RB2 in the Heen Hines. Uh, but segue into this offseason, they ship off in a similar fashion to Tennessee, most of the offensive firepower on the team, Carson Wentz is gone. T.Y. Hilton, the perennial deep threat is gone as well. He's a guy that's still floating around that I'm shocked that actually hasn't been signed somewhere, specifically Baltimore or Chicago. But I'm, I've been saying that about pretty much every wide receiver this offseason, so it's not really anything new. But when you look at the team, vacated targets, they have 154. Vacated carries, not so many. Um, basically just middling. A lot of those were actually Carson Wentz carries. Um, but skill position losses went, they lost Marlon Mack, the true backup over the last couple of years, Zach Pascal, a very underrated slot wide receiver for the team as well is out of here and in comes Matt Ryan at quarterback, Nick Foles, finally off the bears. And now as your backup quarterback in Indianapolis, and then a whole lot of running back depth. And that's something I've been paying attention to quite a bit. This off season is I understand the hype behind the Heen Hines, but the amount of running backs that they are bringing in right now tells me they're trying to get out of that contract so fast because they know they're going to have to pay Michael Pittman and Jonathan Taylor as soon as possible. So bringing in Philip Lindsay, bringing in Tyson Williams, bringing in a couple of UDFAs at the running back position that are very adept at the pass catching role that Naheen Hines has is very interesting. When you look at their draft selections, they once again went with big towers, both on the inside and on the outside for receiving options in Alec Pierce, Jelani Woods at tight end, and then Alec Ogletree, even though his first name's not Alec. Uh, I don't know who that is. Uh, when they drafted him, I was like, all right, cool, another tight end that probably isn't going to make the roster, but it's fine. Uh, if you look at the red zone package, the average height, this is just a fun little uh, experiment I did for the Indianapolis Colts. Average height is six, four and a half. Average weight is 242 pounds. So good luck is all I have to say to red zone defenses when it comes to Indianapolis with a very accurate quarterback in Matt Ryan. But pass it to you, Mr. Dave, first on this one, because I know Memphis has a lot to say. Where are you at with the Colts? What are your feelings with the rookies? And just what do you think the Matt Ryan experience is going to be like in Indianapolis? Well, I get to start with Indy before Memphis. We're both <laughs> we're both Colts fans. So yeah, we, I know he's betting uh, cleanup, though. I know he's got a lot. <laughs> oh, he's got I know he's got a lot. So um, don't be surprised if T.Y. Hilton comes back. Um, is my first comment. I, they're going to need a field stretcher. Paris Campbell is supposed to be that guy. I don't know if he could stay healthy long enough to go over and make it work. Um, I would also not be surprised if we see Naeem Hines 
going over and operating more in the slot, um, going over if they decide not to go jumbo, where you have the two tight ends come in. Um, you could put Naeem Hines in the slot and run him like a Debo Samuel on a few, maybe 10, 12 plays during the game just to go over and mess with the chemistry and mess with the uh, complexion of the offense. Um, you, this is a copycat league, and Debo Samuel has done a lot of good, really good things in the last year. So why not use someone like Naeem Hines in that situation and run opposite counter with Jonathan Taylor? I mean, try to put a defensive coordinator in a really awkward position. That'd be hard. Um, Alec Pierce, I have my CTC league, just moved up. Um, he's a he's He's got height. He's got speed. Um, he's a great jump ball guy. Um, he worked with Desmond Ritter, uh, which meant it was an interesting watching him go over and compete against other like less lesser talent. But then when you actually saw him play against real talent and at the senior bowl, he showed up. Um, he, he, I think he proved his draft slot and I'm really interested to see how he progresses in this offense. Um, it's not a big pass percentage, but could Alex Pierce be a lesser version of Julio Jones for Matt Ryan? Who's used to having that big wide receiver that goes up and kind of, provides a safety net, especially when you have six, five, six, seven, six, eight tight ends in the middle of the field running around and you can't really drop the safeties over the top. It's an interesting concept. So it's going to be, it's going to be kind of fun, but uh, I, I'm, I'm going to throw it over to Memphis. Cause I'm kind of curious to see what, um, cause he lives right by Indy. I live in Dallas. So uh-huh. I get some information that I dig through Twitter, but I'm kind of curious to see what the locals are saying. Well, you live in Dallas. This show is hosted by Dallas, and my street name is Memphis. This is weird as can be. Um, I just put all that together. Uh, for, for me, the from, we'll stick with rookies because that is the main focus of this show. I am most intrigued by Jelani Woods. I am. This guy is a physical specimen. The only thing in front of him is Kyle Granson. I'm sorry, Kylan Granson. And he's a guy that I was scooping up because I like cheap tight ends. I, I would not be surprised based on this offense um, that if we look back in three years, we'll be collectively as a dynasty you know, community going, how did we not see this sooner? I was listening to a radio show today and Dwight Franey, another Indianapolis local, uh, was the guest. And he was talking about how good you know, Matt Ryan is as a football player. He was loosely comparing him to Peyton Manning. Um, scan it, see it, throw it. And we know that he'll use the tight end. I mean, he helped Austin Hooper. I just talked about my love of Austin Hooper. He helped Austin Hooper break out. He had a lot of good tight ends in his career. Can Jelani Woods be that guy? But if I want one guy from this offense on all my dynasty taxi squads for a year or two, it's Jelani Woods. Um, I love him. I would like to thank Dave in advance for um, borrowing I don't know. We all love we all love uh, Naheem Hines. I think Naheem Hines is going to 100% be in my redraft and uh, seasonal leagues. Like we talked about Scott Fishbowl. I'm going to have a ton. I'm going to have a ton. Go back to 2020 when Phillip Rivers was the QB. Now, Carson Wentz checked down to the running backs a little bit, but Matt Ryan maybe the one quarterback in the league that makes Phillip Rivers actually look mobile. Naheem Hines is going to catch pass after pass after pass. As far as Alec Pierce, you're either same as 
equal to or different as the other wide receivers. And he's a big guy, which Michael Pittman's a big guy, but he's a big, fast guy. You know, um, I'm drawing a blank on the guy who was uh, the the guy from Ohio State. Help me out, Dallas. Uh, Paris, Paris Campbell. Paris Campbell. Um, yeah. No, thank you, Dallas. We 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 figured it out together. Um, he's the fast guy, but he's not as big as Pierce. Pittman's a big guy, but he yeah. So you you get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. He does kind of what both guys do. Um, I know dynasty best ball leagues are becoming more and more popular. As more and more of us play in more leagues and more and more rosters to set, I think it sometimes it's just easier to do more of a best ball format, even in dynasty. And that's the kind of rookie dynasty draft where I'd be more intrigued by Alec Pierce. Is he probably going to have a a three catch, hundred and nine yard, two touchdown game? Yeah. Do I want to bet which week he's going to do it and have to hit submit on my on my weekly lineup submission? Nope. But so from a, from a, beat, a best ball format, yeah, I, I would uh, love him. But a guy that I don't know a ton about, so this is how I'm going to throw it back to you, Dallas. So this is yeah. me using my, my hosting skills of my podcast. Tell me more about Devonta Price, um, pass catching running back out of, uh, it looks like USF. Yeah. Um, so I'll, one last thing on Alex Pierce. Uh, he's like off-brand Chase Claypool is how I would describe him. It's the same yucky feeling you have about putting Chase Claypool in it into your lineups, but you haven't seen it happen yet. So he's a lot like a guy I equate him to is Preston Williams coming out of Colorado State down in Miami. A lot of praise, a lot of hype that you're going to get from him. Athletic freak. He just needs to prove that he can, one, stay healthy and actually get the targets, but a realistic first-year production just based off of them needing to throw the ball and Matt Ryan liking to throw the ball is probably like a 40 – probably like a 40 reception, 600 yards, maybe five or six touchdowns. That would be a pretty average and respectable out peer season. And then um, the one note on the running backs, this is a stat I've been paying attention to with quarterbacks that are switching teams. Matt Ryan's most heavily targeted RB1 ever in any one of his offenses across his entire career was 46 targets. So if you think Naheen Hines is going to be getting 80-plus targets, temper expectations. I'm just going to put that one out there. Going into the running back position and another running back that might reprise that role in the future, Devontae Price, though. It's actually Florida International University, so I put the wrong Florida school on there. Uh, he's a solid pass-catching back, and he's extremely physical. He's 6'2", 215. Um, he is a little bit older of a prospect, again, kind of in that Najee Harris mold where he had to wait his turn. Um, FIU did not play any, basically any games in 2020, but in the four games that he did play, he racked up basically an eight yards per average carry last year. He put up about 800 yards on the ground in nine games played. Um, so he's just a very solid running back. Uh, they brought in Devonta Price, CJ Verdell, and, uh, Max Borgie, everyone's favorite, uh, Debbie prospect from Washington state all together. Um, three guys that can catch the ball. It's just something I paid attention to because the first three contracts that they offered out to EDFAs were to pass catching running backs, and that immediately put up a red flag for Naheem Hines for me. Um, It obviously may not happen. We saw that Ballard made the comment earlier in this offseason about how he would want Hines on his team, Um, and everyone likes him. He's got the veteran experience, but it's just something that I've been paying attention to from the beginning 
of the running back position in this offseason. So um, a couple of quick notes and ending notes on the Colts from me, but I'm excited to see what this team looks like underneath Matt Ryan. Um, a team I am less than enthused about, though, Houston Texans. Um, still a lot of questions. They got a lot of draft capital from shipping off Deshaun Watson in the blockbuster trade that looks amazing for them on paper now with all of the scandal continuing in Cleveland. But you're going into year two of Pep Hamilton. Apparently, there's a scheme shift going on for the Houston Texans that a lot of people are raving about. They were right in the middle of the pack, which is kind of what you want for a guy with not a huge proven record at the quarterback position. You don't want to pass too much. You don't want to run too much to where you don't give any exposure. Um, the run at the back with Davis Mills, we were concerned that they may be bringing in another quarterback for anyone that may have drafted him last year. Um, but they're, uh, once again, middle of the road, 146 vacated targets, so pretty much the same supporting cast at the wide receiver position and tight end position as last year. Vacated carries is where there is a huge difference. Pretty much none of the running back carries that were on the team last year are still there. They have 244 that are vacated uh, with the shipping off of old man Mr. David Johnson, as well as just kind of retaining the back-end backs that got about 40 touches per uh, per year, basically, over the last couple of years for them. Um, what they did bring in was Marlon Mack, as well as two rookies in the draft that are very enticing and very interesting from a prospect profile standpoint in Damian Pierce out of the University of Florida and John Mechie out of Alabama, who is coming off of the late season ACL injury last year. Uh, UDFA, just so we... Uh, don't talk about this on this team. There are none of note. Uh, pretty much all of them are tackles or tight ends that will never see the field, mark my words. Uh, so looking at the Houston Texans, you're seeing a lot of the same things. You're once again most likely going to see a Brandon Cooks that is severely underrated yet again in his career. But the team has a lot of opportunity for these young players coming in. And they're two players I'm interested in, but I think one of them is more of a trap hole than the other one. Where are you at with Houston, who has been dwelling at the bottom of the division for the better part of, you know, two decades since they came into the division, Memphis? Where are you at with them? Uh, I was doing some some quick research on my guy. I love Davis Mills. Um, mm -hmm. By the way, I saw someone on Twitter. If I could remember who they were, I'd give them a shout on the pod. They called him General Mills, which is great. It makes it sound like a military commander, but it also has that double entendre of being a cereal brand. So I thought that was cool. Davis Mills, I don't know. I mean, th this is going to be a unique offense. Um, I'll, I'll hit you with uh, I'll hit you with one guy that I like, but I want you to come back to me. Um, yeah. I do like Damian Pierce, but he's my weight and buy him in week three in Dynasty guy. And here's why. The Texans brought in old, stodgy, retread coach Lovey Smith. And what do old stodgy coaches love, especially at the running back position so that they don't get the young QB killed? That's veteran running backs. They'll defer. They'll have deference to the, the veteran running back. It's going to make Marlon Mack a solid play, you know, like in a seasonal league. But somewhere that, 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 that rookie that comes out of nowhere, like David Johnson as a rookie, who like literally swoops in and has a tremendous back half of his rookie year is Damian Pierce. He's not someone you have to go out and try to get right now because he's A, a rookie, and B, a running back. But let let the let the national media and the, the rest of the fantasy world see Marlon Mack get those first three to four weeks of starts. 
then go creeping and crawling and offering that 23 third or, you know, fourth round pick for him. See if that, that GM wants a refund from where they drafted him in their rookie draft. And then you sit there and wait. You, you, you let the running back in front of him who's still coming off of an Achilles injury, who's like 26, 27 years old. He was part of that famous 2017 running back class. Let him falter a little bit or get injured and then let the hammer that is Damian Pierce come in. He He's a guy that I love. Outside of that, I don't have a lot of love for this offense. I think your Brandon Cook, uh, his, I think your, your Cook's comment is, is very well stated. But I want to throw it over to Dave for a minute because I, I do want to talk about John Mechie. I love John Mechie, but I want to make sure I have all of his athletic measurables pulled up. Well, you're stealing my thunder because John Mechie no, no, I I'm actually handy. really I'm, wanted I'm, to talk I'm about handy. on this. It's, it's, it's um, like we all running. know Brandon Cooks is underrated as a uh, – I'm handing you the baton. We're all running a race together. And I'm oh, well, there, there you go. You could, you could, you could back me up on all my stuff. I, I, you, well, um, then you can hand it back to me. You can throw it backwards. Amen. So, uh, <laughs> well, we all know Brandon Cooks is the most underrated, like wide receiver two in this league. Uh, I would not be surprised if he is either traded at the trade deadline or before, um, just because I don't, unlike you guys, I don't trust David Mills. Um, I think that, I think that this team, unless they decide, Lovey Smith decides he really, really wants Will Anderson, I think that they're going to go, they're going to be in, in, in the bidding for CJ Stroud, uh, possibly Bryce Young, though he's a little bit short. Um, but John Mechie is one of those guys that got a little bit overshadowed by Jamison Williams this year at Alabama, just because he was the speedster, the deep threat, and nobody could really catch him. But John Mechie did all the other things in between. He did all the, he could go deep, he could go run the mid routes. He's your quintessential wide receiver two type that may not go over and get you win you your league, but he's the guy that you wish and pray you have on your fantasy team uh, every single year to go over and say, I'm going to take a chance on, I don't know, Alec Pierce being uh, Claypool, and I could take the chance on him going over and scoring 30 this week because I know John Mechie is going to score me 15. Um, it, I don't trust any of the running backs. I, this, this to me reads like, they're looking at 2023, possibly 2024, uh, which are both going to be pretty good running back drafts um, as a way in which to go over and supplement. This is just them figuring out, is Davis the right guy before they go over and, and make the big jump and fill out the lines, fill out everything else before? Because the last thing you really need as a contender, both in fantasy and in real life, is the running back. So because the running back shelf life just is not very long. So, but yeah, I, I found, I found the Hunter rent salad. I found the Hunter Renfro comment in uh, at, for John Mechie to be really, really interesting. Uh, before I throw it to you, Memphis, can, do you want to comment on that just quickly? Cause I'm, I'm curious as how you got there. Yeah. Well, so for me, when I was looking at Mechie, I was very high on him. Uh, me and Jesse, from uh, everyone's favorite Dynasty War Games and uh, Dynasty Fever, if I'm not correct, is the other one. Uh, we're big Mechie guys, and we were throughout the process. Uh, we're strong proponents that if he hadn't gotten injured, we would be talking about him in the same light of a lot of the higher-up wide receivers that were in this class. And it's due to the fact that the only year in college where he wasn't absolutely 
producing from the slot specifically was his freshman year where he was behind Jalen Waddell, Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, and Devonta Smith. It's the only time where he hasn't produced on the field. When you look at him, he's an excellent blocker, which is something that Hunter Renfro doesn't get a lot of credit for. And it's very shocking for guys that are sub 190 to be as efficient blockers as they are specifically from the slot position. So they're guys that play like Juju, that 210, 215 size, when they are much smaller and they're much better separators than they really get credit for. So when I'm looking at the basic realistic production that I see him getting in his rookie season, it's something similar to what we saw from Hunter Renfro. Somewhere around that 50 receptions, if he's healthy, there's a big asterisk of if he's healthy and if he plays all year but somewhere around that 50 receptions for about 600 yards in PPR that's pretty nice for a guy that you're not going to realistically have to draft because he may not be on the field week one so it's a guy I'm keeping my eye on and it's a guy that it's not a very common comp and it's kind of hard to look at it but when it comes to the teams that they play on the reliability that they need from the slot position specifically due to the dearth of weapons it's one that I kind of came across and uh, stuck onto a little bit when I was looking for basic comps in year one. Well, uh, let, let me uh, just uh, pinch my toes and call me a jelly donut. Dave absolutely nailed that Hunter Renfro comp. Uh, you know, Renfro went to Clemson overshadowed by the likes of T. Higgins and Justin Ross and, and guys there uh, played with a very good quarterback and, you know, Trevor Lawrence. Now you you talk about Mr. Mechie here, overshadowed by Jamison Williams and all these Alabama you know wide receivers that have been drafted over the last handful of drafts. So I, I used a reference. I used PlayerProfiler.com. Uh, Mechie ran a four six zero forty, Hunter Renfro four five nine. But what do they both have in common? They both are seventieth plus or better percentile athletes in burst. That means they get open in a phone booth. You know, um, th they're going to be able to run those option routes, those short routes. Those, It's not Cooper Cup-esque because Cooper Cup, I think people forget how big of a man he is. He's like almost six foot three. But he's going to be that quintessential old school. Um, again, I, I, I adore the, the Hunter Renfro comp. I love the fact that he's a good blocker, a willing blocker. Again, how do you win over a stodgy old school quarterback, uh, old school coach? Excuse me. You block well. It's why I liked Michael Pittman, and I, I know it was the Houston Texans. Think of what you will of you know Nick Casario and the the Reverend there, formerly of the New England Patriots, and, and their drafting. But they they chose John Mechie over George Pickens. Pickens, excuse me, who who a lot of people love. They love George Pickens uh, in in Devi leagues and in in dynasty spaces. They took him over Sky Moore, who a lot of people love. I wanted the Colts to draft Sky Moore. They took him over Jalen Tolbert. They took him over David Bell. I mean, just look at the guys again. What you think of their drafting ability so far, notwithstanding, but this is a team that said, "Hey, with the forty fourth overall pick, we think this guy is going to bring tools." To our toolbox again, equal to different than same than the guys who are there. He is different than what is there. He could be a very big safety valve for General Davis Mills, and we could be looking back at the end of the season, going, "Wow, 
what a true value in a PPR format. I, I, I think you guys have absolutely crushed it, and I'm glad you threw it back to me to wrap it up with Mechie because uh, I think you guys really opened my eyes to a couple of things, and then uh, th I think that was a nice addition too. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad we're all on the same page. Uh, I just I hope he's healthy, and I hope he didn't lose anything. Um, it doesn't look like he does uh, from all the workout videos I've been walking, watching of him, but you can obviously take that with a grain of salt. But that's pretty much all I had for the Houston Texans. Their draft class from a skill position standpoint wasn't very large. Like I said, there's a middle-of-the-road opportunity for pretty much everyone that's on the roster. This is just kind of the year where it's uh, – put up or shut up and you're going to get replaced next year type of thing going into 2023 draft class with some studs at the wide receiver position. Um, but a team that basically believes in compiling every wide receiver two and wide receiver three known to man in the NFL, the Jacksonville Jaguars are throwing everything possible at the quarterback position to help him out. And I don't hate it because you know what, at least they tried something. Bring in not a first-time head coach, but the first-year head coach in Doug Peterson, the Super Bowl-winning head coach with the Philadelphia Eagles, as the true OC for the team, say what you will, but he was in charge of play calling during his time in Philadelphia. Trevor Lawrence at the quarterback position and a middle-of-the-road vacated targets of 161. Uh, you have some returning studs, hopefully this year, in Travis Etienne at the running back position and injured James Robinson and a lot of question marks behind that. And then when you look at the wide receiver position, they lost DJ Chark, who's been pretty much the only name of note since Allen Robinson was jetsoned out of town about five years ago. But they brought in a Zay Jones and a Christian Kirk, along with a tight end and Evan Ingram. Where are you at specifically with the Jags on this offensive cluster F, for back, uh, lack of a better phrasing, Memphis? Where are you at with them? Have you ever seen the uh, the American cinematic masterpiece Big Daddy with Adam Sandler? Yes. And, and and you know I'm just the goddamn Jets. You know it's a cinematic masterpiece, but he takes the little boy to the grocery store and he tells him that dented cans are half off. Except the Jacksonville Jaguars went to the grocery store, bought all these dented can wide receivers, and instead of getting half off, they paid double the price. I do not understand what they were thinking. With I mean, Christian Kirk's a nice two. Zay Jones is a nice two. I, I, I all right, fine. I kind of low key like Evan Ingram. Get guilty as charged, Your Honor. Um, but the rest of these guys, I mean, this is a modified cluster muck at, at the skill position. Um, the only thing about Evan Ingram is that it kind of hurt the value of Dan Arnold, who I'm kind of a low key fan of. Um, the one guy that I am very intrigued by from a rookie standpoint, again, sticking to the, the genesis of the show, is Snoop Connor. Now, I am a big, big James Robinson guy, one of the bigger hits we've had here at the Dynasty Warzone over the years, and that was courtesy of our man, the Debbie guru himself, Mr. Shane P. Hallam, who cued us, uh, cued us in on Mr. James Robinson. But he is coming off of Achilles. We've talked about that already on the show with Marlon Mack. We're going to see what's up this season with Cam Akers. So they didn't bring in a veteran, right? He he tore his Achilles. They could have brought in Melvin Gordon. They could have paid him double market value like they did all the wide receivers, but they didn't. They didn't bring in any veterans. They didn't bring in any Philip Lindsays. They didn't bring in any of these guys. 
So that tells me that they got Snoop Connor. And if James Robinson's not good to go, Snoop Connor could be a guy that we low key could be saying, you know, how did we not see this sooner? That's kind of what I pride myself on as a dynasty podcaster is I don't want to look at the player and go, oh, he's really good. I like to pride myself on, you know, taking a combination of talent and uh, opportunity and trying to meld the two together as far as dynasty valuation. So uh, I know Dallas is having a little technical difficulty, so I'm going to throw it to you, Dave. Um, I love Trevor Lawrence. Um, I can't not buy the hype. I mean, I, I see so many good things. But where are you at with this offense, the rookies? Um, I mean, I like how he puts Carlos Hyde as a key loss, by the way. Um, what, do you, what, what, what do you have about this, uh, this offense? Uh, there's Dallas. He's back. So I just wrapped up. But my biggest takeaway for you is I love Snoop Connor. I think if James Robinson's not right, he's going to have a great opportunity. Uh, to potentially, you know, take some of those between the tackles carries that ETN is, you know, ETN is going to be like Naheem plus plus, you know, really good pass catcher could be like a slot wide receiver because we don't have enough of those already. But, but you know, I, I really, my thing was on Snoop Connor, but now that, you know, Dallas has fixed his technical difficulties, Dave, I'm going to throw it to you and you can throw it to Dallas. It's okay. I, 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 I do a lot of Debbie too. So um, that's part of the reason why I'm on this podcast is knowing a few of the people that were going to be on there. So Snoop Connor is an interesting prospect in the sense that he is, he is the big boy. Like he is, I believe six to 220 pounds. So he is not a small person by any or five ten two twenty two according to NFL uh, running a four, six. So he is your, he is your big running back. He is the guy that is basically there in case James Robinson's not going to be ready to go. But I have a feeling that a lot of this stuff is going to go through ETN. Um, you go back and look. ETN is my buy. I bought him this offseason for 106 in, a, in the draft because I have a feeling that he may be the next Brian Westbrook uh, with this kind of concept with Doug Peterson. Um, there's really not a ton of rookies I really want to talk about. So I'll just go into ETN because essentially this is his rookie year. So... Um, Whereas Urban was going over and saying, let's go over and put him in the slot and have him be the wide receiver and have him run routes. That may have been Urban being stupid, but at the same, which as an Ohio State fan, that kind of hurts, but it's true. He was definitely stupid in uh, Jacksonville. But uh, at the same time, I think it was really important to him because it gives him a lot more. Um, how do I say it right? Um, it, he's just got so much more character to him now. He's learned a lot more routes. He's learned a lot more nuance to the game itself and the speed of the game itself. He's got the rapport with, with uh, Trevor Lawrence, who I'm still a big fan of. Um, I have probably more Trevor Lawrence than any other quarterback in my leagues at this point, um, just because I think he, I think that Doug Peterson can bring it out of him. Um, I really think that there's a lot of potential hidden that was not shown. This is one of those opportunities where if you have a chance to go get him, get him before he starts blowing up. This may also be the Indianapolis Colts fan in me that went over and watched the week 17 game where he lit us up like a Texas A&M bonfire and destroyed our hopes and dreams. So, um, I mean, that that's my thought. Evan Ingram, sneaky, sneaky tight end uh, in redraft. 
he's going to, if, if, if something like Scott Fishbowl, which I didn't get into this year, but um, hopefully next year I will. But for both of you guys, like Evan Ingram, for me, I think is going to be a really sneaky play that you guys can go back through, hopefully around round 10, round 11. No, he'll he'll go he'll go way later than that. That's kind of in the in the neighborhood. I'll be looking at Austin Hooper. You can probably get Ingram 14, 15, 16 as like a like a tight end too. And I, Dave, I, I I love the way that, that you frame that sneaky tight end. I think this is the division full of sneaky tight end value in seasonal and best ball leagues. I mean, I, I uh mentioned my boy Austin Hooper earlier. You did a great job, you know, illustrating why Evan Ingram will be a value. And I think even though we're past Houston as well, we should be. They're terrible. I mean, Brevin Jordan could have some sneaky value. And then based on the offense that Frank Reich runs and the usage of the tight end throughout Matt Ryan's career, um, I mean, there's there's no data to back it up because Frank Reich and Matt Ryan have not worked together. We can only take it off their combined histories and, like, prognosticate. But that's kind of what we're here to do, Right. So, so someone in Indy, this could be we maybe maybe we can sh- we can call this show future forecasting the rookies of the AFC South and low key super tight end value. I don't know how I'll fit it all when I do the editing of the podcast, but I'll figure it out. That's, that's a wordy footnote there, <laughs> but you're you're not wrong. <laughs> uh, I will remind you guys that he is not dead. Uh, Mr. Dan Arnold is still on the team, and yes, he's coming off of an injury, but his rapport was immediate with Trevor Lawrence. So that's just something to keep in mind. His two weeks prior to his injury were very electric and people were very happy to have acquired him off of waiver wires last year when he did start popping off. Um, As to your comment, Dave, when we were talking about Trevor Lawrence and how you're not out on him, uh, he had a historically low touchdown percentage. There was an eight-game stretch last year where Trevor Lawrence accounted for one passing touchdown in total. That is not sustainable. Everyone likes to throw around the word regression. And if there's a team that is most likely to regress positively more than most, it is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, I think a lot of the production and the benefit is going to go towards Mr. Trevor Lawrence, as opposed to trying to figure out which of these weapons is truly going to explode. But I'm excited for Christian Quirk. I know it's not not a rookie, but this is the one team in the division that really doesn't have any rookies of note. Uh, Memphis, you said you're kind of a Snoop Connor guy. I would much rather have a Ryquell Armstead than a Snoop Connor personally, but that's like picking between a couple of C-listers on a celebrity list as to who you would want to come to your Make-A-Wish foundation type of thing. But when I'm looking at the Jags, it's a lot of question marks, a lot of mouths to feed, but it's kind of what we've dealt with with Doug Peterson before in the past with his teams. There's no true Alpha X which tells me that Marvin Jones is probably still going to be relevant and still going to be a steal, especially in those six-point touchdowns, heavy leagues as opposed to the high PPR leagues. Um, But that kind of leads me into the only UDFA of note that I'm actually interested in, and as a guy I'm a little bit more interested in than a Snoop Connor, and that's Mr. Kevin Austin out of Notre Dame. Um, He kind of came into fame during this offseason due to the combine results that he put up. He put up comparable results. He was basically where Alec Pierce was number one in every category that he tested in. Kevin Austin was basically right below him at number two, four, three at that six eyes. And when you look at all the profiles on the team, there are 
three X receiver profiles that are on the team. You have Marvin Jones, who is a lock to make the team. You have Treadwell, who they re-signed, but it was to a vet minimum contract, and he didn't really prove that he could truly do anything that we haven't seen him do prior last year. And then Kevin Austin as the UDFA, who is going to be the cheapest out of all three to keep around long-term, has some experience on special teams as a gunner, which the other two do not. And is a freakish athlete, which the other two are not. So it's just a name, once again, kind of like a Reggie Roberson I'm paying attention to. If he doesn't make the roster, forget I even mentioned it now. But if he does, probably stash him deep, deep, deep on your taxi squad and hope for the best like we do so often in the fantasy space. But this has been fun. Thanks for holding down the fort. I drank about, you know, 70 ounces of water over the last three hours of my drive. I'm stuck in South Dakota right now. So uh, you guys bailed me out there. But this has been a fun division. Uh, I really appreciate you guys hopping on and chatting about your favorite division with me. Is there anything you want to plug, Dave, or Memphis? Tell the people anything you got going on, where they can find you, obviously, and then what you're excited for other than Scott Fishbowl during this time. Sorry, Dave. Dave, you're up. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not really much of a social media guy. I spend most of my time just in the Patreon chat whenever I can between work and kids and everything else. Um, so, I mean, I'm at Pliny Dave on Twitter. If you want to go over and just talk Debbie, that's kind of my specialty and the thing that I've spent the most time kind of exploring. So, um, but yeah, at the, as of this point, I'm not, I'm not actively doing any, any podcasts. So outside of just helping out you guys right now. So yeah, there you go. I, I mean, for, for me, um, obviously dynasty war zone everywhere, but TikTok, Dallas, God damn it. Why haven't you done that? Dude, you're like, I, you're like 22. You're like, you're like the TikTok demographic. You can do the dances. You can point to the things above your head. Multiple things there. One, I wish I was 22. I'm not 22 anymore. Alice, just go my, with it. My like friends you... have been trying to get me onto TikTok for years, and I still have never downloaded the app on my phone. It's not happening for this purpose either. Sorry, man. Hey, hey look, look I, 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 what I do is, is I watch them. I, I wait until they've been out for a week, and someone reposts them as an Instagram reel yeah. like an adult. Yep, uh, exactly. No. Um, for, for me... Um, the reason why we moved the dynasty war zone to, this was like kind of a two way go. I'm going to use a, a Hunter Renfro or our new guy, John Mechie analogy. This is like a two way go option route for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I always record on Tuesday nights. Um, for me, I did the dynasty war zone on Sunday cause we wanted to talk about Scott fishbowl draft strategy. So that was out Monday as the Scott fishbowl started because I knew I had the Dynasty War games. Again, you mentioned Jesse along with uh, Mike and Chad, the co-hosts over there. We dropped that on Wednesday in the Dynasty War Zone spot. But this was a great opportunity. I, I love Jerry. Jerry, my boo, I miss you. But I, I love talking Dynasty with people that I don't get to on a regular basis. So it was great to hang out with Dave. Dave, um, tremendous supporter of the Dynasty War Zone. He's a patron. He's a great guy. Um, love interacting with him with, with our DMs and trades and leagues and stuff. So this for me was like uh, I'm still like running the like the producer role, which is normal for me. Mm -hmm. But it's great to interact with you guys. So for me, yeah, just check out Dynasty Warzone everywhere. And uh, thank you so much for inviting me on your show. I, I it was a, it was a pleasure.
Yeah, no, I'm glad that both of you could make it. Like I said, this whole series is about getting people that are biased about their divisions to show their true colors, talk about prospects for other teams. So I enjoy it more than anything. But yeah, this has been the Rookie Rundown. We are nearing the end of the first year forecasting series here. We have two more divisions, two more lovely pools of guests. We're going to have one more that is including some more DWZ Network finest co-hosts, as well as one. It's going to be a treat for all you Patreons. Uh, Memphis knows about who it is, but it is actually who I started podcasting with. Uh, my buddy Dalton, uh, we've been doing a podcast for our individual group, Original Dynasty, basically, that we started quite a few years ago, and he will be my co-host to talk about the team that we live closest by, the Kansas City Chiefs, during the AFC West Division to round out the series. And then I'm going to be hopping on to be doing uh, a, a series that kind of hit off last year. It was the first one that I really tried to tool around with, but the Oklahoma drill. Uh, it's back this offseason where I'll be comparing two like-minded and like-profiled players, telling you which one you need to have on your rosters. After year one, uh, I was batting about 60% last year out of the eight that I did. Uh, RIP <laughs> my gain well take is how I would phrase that. But it's a fun segment as it is. And then we're ever nearing. We're officially five weeks away from the regular season, which is pretty wild to me. Uh, sorry, not regular season, from preseason. So uh, football's close. I'm excited. I'm sure you guys are. But until next time. As Memphis, I will leave this to you. What's the plug? What's the people that people listen to the show love to hear at the end of every episode? Tell it to them. I'm, I mean, on behalf of Dave, Dallas, and myself here at the Dynasty War Zone, we're just trying to make the world a better place for fantasy football, or in this case, rookies in Debbie and Dynasty fantasy football. Thanks for listening, guys. When we add up all those inches, that's going to make the fucking difference between winning and losing. We won a game yesterday. And if we win one today, that's two in a row. We win one tomorrow, that's called a winning streak.